Welcome to Life Church. I am so glad we have this time together. We are praying and makes a difference in your world with the people that you love and the people that you care about. So let's get this going today. Lord, we come and we approach your word. Lord, we put away distractions. We put away wrong comments about our lives. People that said we'll never amount to anything, we'll never do anything, we'll never achieve anything. We put it all to one side and we say, Lord, help us to believe the power of your word tonight. Lord, let us, let us understand, Lord, who you called us to be. Not who other people tell us we should be, but who you call us to be, Lord. Lord, and from this place of hearing you, God, we reject depression. We reject distraction. And Lord, let your hope live in this house today. Your life-giving power, let it be released tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, help me communicate your word. Holy Spirit, we pray you confirm your word and let people get set free tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Come on, give a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Go on, take your seats. I'm going to give you three scriptures tonight. I'm going to be 30 minutes. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, 1 Chronicles 22 verse 5, and then we're going to land in Matthew chapter 16. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 3, 1. The book of Ecclesiastes is a great book to read. It was written and penned by one of the wisest men that ever walked the planet. He was called Solomon. Solomon was incredibly wealthy. He had so much wealth in his day, he didn't know what to do with it all. He had experience in many realms of life, from building buildings to uh, all kinds of projects that delivered a nation, to incredible wealth in so many different areas of his life. And here he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and he writes these beautiful words, and he says, There is a time for everything, and this season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down, and note this, a time to build. There was a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And there's a time for a cry in the room. It's a time for everything. The question we have and the challenge we have is, do we know what time it is? Because in our humanity, we see so many different changes. We see so much fear around the globe right now as people are beginning to decide who they vote for in the American election. On this side of the pond, people challenged about Brexit and so many other situations. People trying to discern the time and what we should do about it. What is it? Is it a time to take our finances and bury them in the ground and hope and pray for the rapture to happen? And we get delivered from this hell that we live in? You know, what is the confusion that we have? We turn on the news and we hear about war-torn nations and hatred around the globe. It's a horrible, challenging life for so many people. And yet against this backdrop, these words are echoing in my spirit as I've prayed and as I've sought God about what should our response be, Life Church? And I want to declare that I believe that God is asking us to partner with Him 
to understand this season in our lives of Life Church because I believe with all my heart that God is telling us it is a time to build. It's a time to build, not a time to fear, not a time to withdraw, but a time to build. It's a time to expand, it's a time to increase, not a time to withdraw because of past hurts and past rejections. And I say that because it's so important that we understand our own time because if we understand our time, we'll be able to recognize opportunities when they come. Tonight is an opportunity to gather together. Tonight is an opportunity to come and hear from pages of the Bible, but not just to hear the words of a preacher or to hear the words that are sung by the worship team, to understand what your time is, to understand how you fit in life, church, how you fit in your job, in your marriage, in your work life, in your college, and in your school. And when you understand your fit, peace begins to flood your soul. And when peace floods your soul, people around you that are in fear, people around you that are not understanding the times we live in, you can go to sleep knowing because your God is for you, nobody can be against you. Knowing that your time is to build, it's to think about the future, not to worry about the future, begin to take advantages and opportunities and position yourself for increase. And Solomon understood this time. He understood this different seasons and he defined many seasons for us. But in our humanity, we change so much based on how we feel. How we feel one day, one day we feel like building, and then maybe Monday we don't feel like building. Well, I think God wants us to understand that our feelings will lie to us. Our emotions are not what we should be building our life on. What we should be building our life on is an understanding of who God is. And here in this Old Testament, Solomon's talking about this time to build. A time to build is what Solomon understood because his father David asked him to build a house for the Lord. It was a house for the Lord that was unlike any other house that had ever been built. It was the, the most single, most expensive uh, location of any palace that had yet filled the earth. And then 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse five, you can go ahead and turn there. 1 Chronicles 22, verse five, this is David telling Solomon what he wanted him to build. And he says, Solomon, you are young and inexperienced. It's not easy when someone tells you who's older, who's a father, you're young and inexperienced. But the point is, if Solomon wanted to build something incredible for God, he was going to have to get instruction from other people who understand better than he did about how to build. And so he began to hear about this house that he should be building, a house of great magnificence that would bring fame and splendor to God inside of all the nations. And David began to make preparations for it. And that's what I wanted to focus on, for it. You see, Solomon was being asked by God to build a building for God. The Old Testament pattern was that we would build buildings for God, that we would build things for the Lord, that we would work on his behalf. But, of course, we understand now, I hope we understand, that Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled the law. And because he fulfilled the law, right now, we're not working for God. I'm not working for God. That might be a real shock to some of you. I'm not working for God. Listen, you shouldn't be working for God either. If you're working for God, we're under an Old Testament law. God is not asking us to work for him. 
And we've got this understanding sometimes that we think we come to church and we work for him. And there's some people that are paid on a platform to work for God and the rest of us who watch. But, but of course, that's an Old Testament pattern. That's not a New Testament reality. And we've gotten caught in the church in this mindset that we work for God. See, I understood it like this. When I had my first job, my father hired me. And back then he was a restaurant uh, manager and he had authority to take care of all the parking lot. And so he thought, well, this is great. It's the summer and I had time off. And, and he said, son, you're not doing anything. You're just watching TV, playing your video games. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, isn't it, dad? And he's like, no, you need to come to work. So I said, okay, come to work. And so I brought him and he said, okay, son, this is what I want you to do. I want you to start here on the parking lot. And I looked and there was five acres of parking lot. And he said, I'm gonna set you up here. I want you to take every cigarette butt, every leaf, every bit of rubbish off the parking lot and I'll be back at the end of the day to pick you up. And then he left me alone. How mean is that, 12 years old? It's like child labor, uh, you know, illegal child labor. I should have called Hope for Justice right then and there. And here I am looking at this huge parking lot and I just, it was 105 degrees, I think, and I'm out there pulling all this stuff off the parking lot for my 40 pounds. Finished at the end of the day, I said, Dad, I, never, I don't wanna work for you anymore, Dad. It's just too hard. So we had this conversation and I worked for a summer for my dad. And then the day came at the end of the summer where dad said to me, okay, son. He said, you've worked for me. Now I want you to work with me. Working with dad was so much fun. I got to stand next to him when he was in the restaurant. We were inside, first of all. That was better. We got food when we wanted. That was even better than that. And it was fun. It was fun because I worked with my dad. Dad would say, go clean that table, I clean that table. I say, hey dad, did you see this? And we had this relationship, we had banter, and I got to see what he was going through and he got to see what I was going through. We rode to work together, we spent time together, we worked three nights a week together, and in that sort of five years, I got to know my dad so much better. Why? Because I worked with him. God doesn't want us to work for him. That's why the Bible says in Luke chapter one, and it says in many times in the New Testament, it says, with God, nothing is impossible. Didn't say for God, but it said with God. See, when you work with God, there's a whole perspective shift. Everything changes. That means you take initiative and God backs you up. That means God takes initiative and you back God up. You recognize what the Spirit of God is doing and you keep in, in step with the Spirit. This is not an Old Testament concept. And if you don't know Jesus, then you don't understand what I'm talking about yet. But it is the adventure of a lifetime. When you begin to work with God, it's more fun than you could ever imagine. It's more exciting than you could ever imagine. It's more challenging than you could ever dream of. But there's this sense of destiny and fulfillment that gets in your spirit and you become under the influence of God. And it's so much better than being under the influence of alcohol or drugs or prescription medication. There's a joy that comes. There's a service that comes. There's an energy that comes when you begin to get this in your spirit. That's why I'm gonna have Aaron Baxter come up and help me right now. Come on, Aaron. You see, time to shine, Aaron Baxter. He wasn't in the morning service, so I'm picking on him tonight. So, Right now, I'm a, Aaron, you're working for me, okay? You're working for me, Aaron? You're working for me, okay, that's really good. Okay, Aaron, you're working for me, okay? What I want you to do, Aaron, is why don't you pick up that lectern and carry it to the other side of the platform for me? Good man, pick it up, I know it's heavy. Can you see, okay, put it down, Aaron, put it down. Can you go back and pick up the water bottle that you dropped? Can you be more careful, please? Can you pick it up? 
put it back. Okay, that'd be really helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, that's great. Now, Aaron, Aaron's working for me. So when I give him instruction, he responds to my instruction. But if I start to work with Aaron, everything starts to change. What do you think about the service tonight, Aaron? That was great. Isaac led really well. Isaac led really well. He says, I thought that too. How can we do better, do you think, Aaron? With Isaac. Let him do it more. Come on! Aaron, of course, is coming from South Africa with all of his experience and all of his talent and all of his strength. If he just works for me, I'm never going to get the best out of this man of God if he just responds to my initiative. But when he starts to bring back his initiative and his plans and we start working together, sure. guess what? Because the Bible is so clear about this. It says that one puts a thousand to flight, but two put 10,000 to flight. When you start working with, the power of synergy kicks in. The power of purpose kicks in. And we start to grow as a church. Who are you working with? Come on, get up for Aaron. Come on, you make my point. I don't want to work for people. I want to work with people. I want a teamwork. I want a partnership. See, that, that's, what, that's what Solomon could not have. He couldn't have this relationship. So, so he was longing for something that he couldn't ever achieve in his lifetime. And so he began to talk to Solomon. He began to talk to his family and his relational network. And then later on, others would come after him. Different prophets, different kings, kings like Daniel, different, different rulers and administrators and leaders all through the Old Testament. And they were hoping one day they wouldn't have to work for people, that they could work with God. But in order to work with God, something entirely different had to happen. Something entirely, there had to be a radical shift. And the Bible focused on this and talked about the Messiah, the promised one, the hope bringer, the life giver, the one who would be the suffering sheep, the servant who would die, the one who would give his life. And yet this dichotomy in the Old Testament was this lion, and this lion of the tribe of Judah, this, they couldn't wrap their heads around it. And so Jesus, when he came, he began to ask his disciples. He said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And I want to take you now to the New Testament shift in Matthew chapter 16. When we look at what it's like to work with as opposed to working for, Matthew 16. And Jesus, he says this and he asks the question, Peter, Peter, Simon Peter, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers and he says, he says this in verse 16, if we could put verse 16 up, not verse 18. Verse 16, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. There it is. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, this is what Peter understood. And it was at that moment, Jesus changed his name. He's the only disciple, the only one of the 12 disciples who had a name shift and a name change. And it was because of this revelation. Peter understood that he was about to work with the Messiah, the son of the living God. See, he wasn't working for God anymore. No, he was going to start working with God. And that's why Jesus says this in verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. That word Peter means Petros. It means rock. It actually means a part of a rock. It doesn't mean like, uh, you know, like a, like a physical foundation slab. It means a part of a rock. And he says, Peter, you are blessed but you are now rock-like. And then he goes on and he talks more. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And when he uses the word this rock, he doesn't use the word 
Petros, which means Peter, Jesus uses a different word. And the word that he uses is the same word as bedrock. It's the word Petra. Not Petros, which is Peter, but he uses the word Petra. Petra is bedrock. If you've ever been a builder and you hit bedrock, you can't go through it, you anchor to it. You anchor to it and then you build your life on it so that you can stand through every storm, through every trial, through every form of temptation and sickness and challenge that comes your way. No, you are attached to bedrock. In other words, you are immovable. When challenges come, when the floodwaters come, when challenges come and stress hits your world, you can beat those challenges because you're fastened and fixed and anchored to the bedrock. And he was trying to make the point to Peter, Peter, you understand something that's so significant. You understand that you're going to work with me, the living God. The living God who then at that moment in time revealed to him that this is what we're going to do, Peter. We're going to go from this place and the gates of hell are not going to be able to stand against us. So there's three things I wanted to take out from this passage to to make sure that we can land this in our world and we can apply it. My first point is this, is that we need to be increasingly aware of who is doing the building. We need to be increasingly aware of who is doing the building. You see, if I am building on my own and I'm working for somebody, every challenge that I hit, I'm not going to be able to take care of it myself. I have the financial challenges that are gonna come with that, I have to pay those myself. If I have technical challenges, I'm gonna have to find a way to fix that myself. But if I'm working with God, and my partnership is with Him, guess what? My troubles and my struggles, they have suddenly become God's struggles. You see the shift. If I'm just working for Him, that means the financial challenges are mine. But when I'm working with Jesus, He's already paid the price for that situation. He's already won the battle. He's the conquering King. So there's a whole shift that happens when you're anchored and you're in harness and you're working with Jesus. And so I don't know who you're working with. I don't know if you understand this yet, but when you're increasingly aware, you're not just aware on a Sunday or for some of your Monday. You become increasingly aware of the fact that you are working with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. If we understood that principle, this church would already be full multiple times over. You would already be having the the most incredible breakthrough encounters with God through your week. If you understand this principle, that Jesus wants to work with you. Now, I, I know I'm... I'm trying to get this into your spirit, and I'm trying to preach this to you, but you've got to understand that when Peter was hearing these things, and Jesus was like, okay, this is the bedrock foundation for you, Peter, Jesus knew Peter was about to forsake Jesus three times. He knew he was going to walk away, and yet, and yet Jesus was like, Peter, you're going to beat this challenge because you're anchored on the promises of God. And I'm bringing that because I wonder if we're giving up on people too quick. I wonder if we're giving up on people too quick that we should be building relationship with long-term. We should be anchored. We should be praying for them. I wonder if we just quit on them a week, a month, a year, or five years too quick. I mean, here's, here's Jesus trying to get him to understand, Peter, it's going to be a time to build. Do you know one of the best places you can build from is a place of failure? When you build after a place of failure, you don't have anything else to lose. What do you have to lose? You might as well just trust God, try God, make a decision and follow Jesus. Your your way is not working. 
you know, you're depressed, you're moody. It's like, that is a sign that you're working for. You're not working with. When you're working with God, there's a joy that comes. There's a spontaneity that comes. There's a life that comes. And so this principle become increasingly aware of who is doing the building is awesome. And then we see after the resurrection, we see Peter preaching his first sermon. 3,000 people coming to know the Lord in one moment in time. The church in Jerusalem growing 50, 60, some people say 75,000 people. I mean, this was, a, this was an amazing experience for Peter as he became increasingly aware of who God had made him to be because he realized that his partner is the son of the living God. Turn to the person next to you and say, your partner is the son of the living God. Okay, first principle. I'm gonna go quicker on this next two. The second principle is this. What is Jesus building with us? In Matthew 16, when he talks about the church, he uses the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia means called out. That's what it means. And when Jesus is trying to describe the church, the called out ones, you know, of course, many people and Bible teachers have taken that ecclesia and they've messed it up and they've, they've screwed all that up. And, I, you know, they say, well, you know, the church is called out from sin. So we should be separate from the world. I don't think Jesus is saying that in this passage. I think that Jesus is not calling us out from sin. I think he's calling us out for purpose. If he's just calling us out from sin, the word sin literally means missing the mark. Jesus isn't asking us, you know, to miss the mark, to keep missing the mark. He's asking us to get on the mark. He's asking to get on target, to get on to purpose. And it's one thing when you're like, you're convinced, okay, you're full of remorse and you're, you're sorry that you messed up. Okay, that's a place we, we go through called repentance. That's a place we go through as we identify the fact that we need Jesus as a savior. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. He takes us there and gives us a purpose and gives us a destiny and he gives us life. And I mean, you can look all over society today and you can see the incredible creative things that people do. I find it incredible that chefs make the most amazing food that architects can make the best building, that people like Enzo Ferrari can build engines and attach wheels to them and they go so fast. I love the creativity of people in so many different segments of life and society. And if God can't use Christians, he'll use non-Christians. And if he can't use non-Christians, he'll use a donkey. Because he has a world that he has creativity to unleash. And he's looking for people to partner with. I just want him to partner with me. I wanted to partner with us, Life Church, don't you? I don't want them to have to bypass us to go to somebody who doesn't even recognize who God is. No, let him come to us and say, no, we're called out from sin, but we're called out to purpose. And if we're called out to purpose, why can't we reach 10 million people within an hour's drive of Life Church? Woo, that's a big ask. But Jesus has decided to work with the church to get the job done. And when he talks about the church, he calls it the manifold witness of God to the nations. He talks about the church being the hope of the world, peripheral. No, not to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Those are words that Jesus uses. And when we look around at our ragtag motley crew, and sometimes we think we're, we're so far away. But I'm asking you to stop focusing on other people and focus on who your partner is. Who's your partner? When you focus on who your partner, you and God, you're the majority. You and God, you can turn the world upside down. You and God, you can see breakthrough, healing. You can see all kinds of stuff, and you don't have to wait for anybody. I love that about God. 
I love to stir up trouble. Don't you love to do that? I love to talk to somebody who doesn't even know who God is and talk to them about how they can get healed of their addictions. And then I see the challenges and the, the, the things they're going through. I see their change before our eyes. I mean, even this morning, after the morning service, we were up in the Connect Lounge seeing and meeting people who six months ago were in alcohol addictions or drug addictions, and now they're following Jesus. They're off their drugs. They just were water baptized, and they've gone through growth track, and they're discovering the next level. It's awesome to see that. And you start to understand it's because when you start to build, you start to transform lives. If we build in the natural, we need architects and engineers and accountants. We need builders. We need brick laborers. We need electricians. We need all kinds of wisdom to build something. So you also need that to build a spiritual life. So in your spiritual life, you're going to need pastors. You're going to need people to help you understand the things of God. You're going to need people to pray with you so you understand who God is. And we talk so much about intelligence, and we have tests that measure our intelligence. And then we have tests now that measure our emotional equivalent, our EQ, they call it. But what we really need is a spiritual maturity because it's the spiritual maturity that brings the wisdom to build the life that we need today. Because it's your spiritual maturity that starts to realize that it's not about race, it's about heart. It's not about the color of your skin. It's about the content of your character, Martin Luther King used to say. And when we get this understanding, this spiritual understanding, then we can bring purpose and clarity to our world. And finally, my last point is this. And Jesus, he went on to say, he said, the gates of hell will not overcome against you. And when I bring this, you need to understand the devil is real. The devil is a roaring lion. And here's the challenge in talking about the devil or talking about demons is that we don't want to give the devil too much credit. We don't want to, you know, magnify him or magnify his works. But you need to understand that the challenge of that is we don't want to give him too much credit, but we don't want to ignore him either. Because if we ignore him, then we fail to see what Jesus is saying. When he said, the gates of hell shall not overcome you, they shall not overtake you. They won't prevail against you. That means you have to resist the gates of hell. That means you have to stand up against them. I'm just saying, remember who your partner is. Remember that next to you is Jesus and that you're not on your own. And when you come against financial challenges that are from the pit of hell, because I, I really, I believe that challenges are going to come in your direction. And when they do, you better be ready for them, church. You better be ready for those challenges because they're not going to be nice. Things are going to come, and sickness, it's not a nice thing. It's not a good thing to put up with sickness. Things are come up, financial hardship, poverty, it's not a good thing. Racial hatred, attacks, violence, these are the things that fill our world today. And when they do, you better learn how to take spiritual authority over these issues. You better learn how to really get into this and, and stand. The Bible says stand, do not be unaware of the devil or his schemes but aware of all these things. And when it's time to stand, that you stand. You stand on that bedrock. You stand on the revelation that Jesus is the living God, that he's greater than anything you will ever face, any challenges you will ever face. And church, we've seen some challenges. We've seen some. And we don't really talk like this enough, but the devil is real. The great thing about the devil that we have to understand is this. He is defeated and he is outnumbered. You know, it talks about Revelations that the devil has one-third the amount of angels. Revelations chapter 12 is that God has two-thirds. We're already on the winning side. 
But we have Jesus who defeated every single one. And that's worth getting excited about. If we could teach this like I'm teaching this and understand this, I think depression, not always. Sometimes depression has physical symptoms. But sometimes it also has a demonic symptom. Sometimes depression also has a, a, a curse that you have to physically break and you break that in Jesus' name and then you walk in the goodness of being free. That's why Jesus said time and time again that when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. See, when you are saved, you don't then go back into that addiction. You don't go back into those chains that held you down. You've got to learn how to overcome them. And, and I'm saying that because... I have seen this again and again. I've seen drug addicts get sucked back into their addiction because they don't understand how to find a greater purpose, how to find a greater sense of following Jesus. And when you find a greater sense of following Jesus, your day is filled and you're busy. You ain't got time to be depressed. And if you don't have time to be depressed or sit around and feel sorry for yourself, then you start to make a difference in your life. And so this is what I'm asking. I'm asking that we understand, we get increasingly aware of who we're building with. And in our awareness that every challenge we face, we know that God is right there. He's our ever-present help in time of need. And if we get that understanding, then we're going to overcome against some challenges. You see, it's time to build for Life Church. At the moment, we have four building projects on at the same time. We have this main auditorium. We just got it painted. Isn't it great? But the lights came and they were all wrong. So we send them back to Europe. New lights are coming so we can not only have black walls, but we can actually see inside the building. So that'll happen soon. And then we've got our whopping school project right over here, our new creative center, that whole space. Then we've got three, our Life City project. We want to see more lives transformed. And then in Leeds, we've got to get a venue in Leeds Church. It's a time to build. But guess what happens when you build? An enemy comes. He attacks your finances. An enemy comes and things start to go wrong. But here's the great news. We're not going to give up. Here's the great news that we're going to see God bring us here because we're overcomers. So that's our world at Life Church. What about your world? When you have a flat tire or you have a problem or you have something that come after you, do you get to the point where you're like, I'm not accepting this. I'm not accepting these financial hardships. I'm believing God for finances to come. When you hear about your kids and they're starting to build relationships that are not healthy relationships, what do you do about that? I hope you have a conversation and you say, hey, don't you know how much God loves you? Don't you know that you can live a better life than this? And you get involved in their world. Don't put up with average. Don't put up with mediocrity. Don't put up with some of these things that hold us down because I really believe with all my heart, it's our time to build. It's your time to build. So from this place, it's time to ask God and do a little review. Say, God, how am I doing on my building? How am I doing in my marriage? How am I doing with my kids? How am I doing in my schooling, my education, in my business? How am I doing? And as you review that, rededicate. This is my time to build and make a difference. That's all I have time for, church. Come on, jump up to your feet, bands up. Time's gone. It's 20 past 6. We've got to go. It's been a great, great night. The band's going to come up and just... Leave us. And as we stand, I'm going to ask you to consider these words, that it is time to build. I believe it's time to build bridges, not walls. It's time to build bridges to people who need to know how great God is. I believe it's a time to build hope, not hate. I think we've got enough hate in the world today, and we don't have enough hope bringers. Let's build hope. I believe we should build love, not lust. I think lust destroys people. Love builds people up. We need to have a lot more love in the world. 
Finally, let's build lives. Let's build people. Let's not be cynics and critics. Let's be people changers and people builders and build up our world, not tear it down again. And I don't know where this message finds you, but I would love to lead you in a prayer right now with every eye closed. Lord, you see every individual heart and life. Lord, you see every promise over each one of us. You see every failure, every mistake. Right now in this place, God, we pray that you would help people understand their potential to build. What could their life be if they put your words into practice? Stand in you, Jesus. Stand with you, Jesus. Work with you. What, what could we achieve, Lord? We pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to show people a glimpse of what they could achieve, what their future could be like, what their business, their marriage, their kids. Lord, right across this place, right across this place, thank you, Jesus. And right now in this place, as we, as we finish, if you feel that God is asking you to build anything, a business, a marriage, just lift your hands wherever you are. Lift your hands, lift both hands. I know both my hands are up because I know... I believe this with all my heart. It's a time to build, to build lives, to build spiritual lives. God, you see every hand. You see every life. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. Lord, use our minds. Lord, help us to be those bringers of love, not bringers of hate, bringers of hope. Lord, help us build bridges so the lost can walk over them. Thank you, Jesus. Failure will not hold us down. Lord, we break through those mistakes of the past and embrace you tonight, God. For every life that you see, Holy Spirit, from this place, we pray, God, that you would partner with them at a new level, Lord. Let that be, God, in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks so much for spending this time together. And now we pray it makes a difference practically and in everything you face, every challenge, every difficulty, every circumstance. We really pray that you remember that God is for you. Book in and join us for Exile 2016, where we can come together as sons, brothers, fathers, and men of God to grow in our faith and freedom so that we can become the force God wants us to be for our families, communities, and nations. Hosted by Pastor Steve Gamble and with special guests Brian Houston from Hillsong Church and guest artist Tim Timmons from the US. We want you to make Exile Conference a priority. Invest in yourself by joining us for this 24-hour power-packed event. You will leave stronger, wiser, and better equipped. Please note that our main auditorium is now sold out, but overflow tickets are available. This includes live praise and worship from the live worship team and the preach viewed via a live feed on the big screen. Book in now at xlconference.com for only £30.